Amen. Also talking about movies, uh, anybody see the Hillsong movie in the last couple of days? Raise your hand if you saw the Hillsong movie. Oh my gosh, nobody saw it? I didn't either. Oh, you, you saw it. Was it good? I've heard it great. Several friends of mine posted some stuff and said it's a great movie. Hillsong Church out of Australia and has campuses literally all over the world here in the United States now, also in New York and in, in L.A., have done a movie just a documentary on the church, and I'm telling you, I've watched the trailer and a couple other things, and I'm telling you, that movie is impacting Hollywood and the world about the church, and I really encourage you, it's here in Kerrville, I think it's here in Kerrville, is it here in Kerrville? Did you see it here in Kerrville? Oh, okay, I think it is, if it's not, I know it's in Bernie and it's in San Antonio, I'd really encourage you to go see that movie, because it's actually the movie is benefiting the rest of the church. It's, it's empowering the rest of the church. And that's why when things like this happen in the War Room movie, like you guys are going to watch tonight, those kind of things that, that Christians have done to make movies in the world, we need to support it. But then as the church, we need to be in a position to be prepared to minister to people, you know, because these movies talk about things that the word talks about and and we know that God is building his church and I, I just you know every day it seems like more and more I, I am so aware of the church you say well yeah you know you're you're a pastor well no but but <clears throat> but there's something about the church that is is it's it's evolving. Something is evolving. You, you, can, you can line a hundred people up and ask them a question. What, what, what do you think that the church is? Well, it's a, it's a building on a corner. Well, it's a place I was raised in and I had to go. Well, it was something. But, but listen, I think that most people have a negative perception of church. When Jesus said in Matthew 16 that I will build my church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against, he he, he wasn't talking about a building on a corner somewhere. He wasn't talking about, he wasn't going to build, he wasn't going to build what the church is from the replica of the synagogues of his day. The places that he spent all his time in, to learn about the Old Testament and the things that he had to learn. See, even though he was the son of God, he came to be the son of man. So he had to learn like you and I learned. So he spent his time in those places, but that's not what he was after building. Because if you notice, after the Spirit of God came on him and his earthly ministry started, where did he go? He went to the people. Because the synagogues were stuffy, and they, they were religious, and they, were, they bound people up. And they caused people to be in bondage and not be liberated and free. So what he was preparing the world for was, he was preparing people to understand that they're the church. Say it, I'm the church. Okay? But we're not the church individually. We are, but we're not because we can't do it without each other. And, and so that, that revelation to a generation of people that have seen the church as something that you had to do instead of something that you are, it takes time 
to get rid of all that junk. Now, there's a whole generation of people that are being raised up today that don't know anything about church. And I have to say, it's kind of a good thing. I have to say that I, I, I have great hope in the, in the church of the future if the, if the generation today will grab hold of what other people have about revelation, not about religion. Religion is man's, man's way of thinking. It's what man builds. But Christianity is being like Jesus. It's, Christianity is being Christ-like. Like people say they want to be like Michael Jordan. I want to be like Mike. Well, we have to become a people that want to be like Christ, like Jesus. And, and the more we're like him, then the world is seeing that. And, and everywhere that Jesus went, <clears throat> the, the unchurched people loved him and the kids loved him. Everywhere he went. All the religious people wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to throw him off the side of a cliff. They wanted to do all kinds of things to him. But the people that were not churched of, of that day, if you, if you will, and the kids, absolute, or, or the, the people that were unchurched, the sinners, if you will, and the kids loved him. And, and that's the way it is today. And we've got to embrace that and realize who we are. So what does that mean? For me to be like him, that means that the people that are unchurched and the kids should love me. And they do. <laughs> they do. They, they just, children love me and the people that don't know God love me. Hmm? All over town. I have one to two minute relationships with all kinds of people. All kinds of people. And they love me. Hmm? You say, well, probably because they don't know you. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> but they love me. They just, they just love me. Starbucks baristas all love me. Drive through there and new one all the time. You know, and then other places that I go. And, 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 but it's, mostly it's one and two minute conversations. But that's what draws people to you. And then when they really want to know you and want to know what you do and, and you have something to give them, then what you're trying to do is you're not just trying to get them into your church. You're trying to get them in Christ. See, when people get in Christ, then they'll come to church because they want to know about Christ. See, and when they realize that church isn't some weird, stuffy, crazy place that people are forced to do things that they don't want to do, when they realize that they can, they can connect with the one that created them, and understand the creator of the universe. I'm telling you, we can know everything about the creator of the universe. And we can have answers to everything if we're patient. If you don't need the answer by tomorrow afternoon. And you'll be patient. There is an answer for everything in this book. Every single thing has an answer in life. Actually, they've already been answered. Now we have to tap them. But you're not going to tap it. You're not going to tap the answers to life if you don't understand the church. Man, I tell you, I just, that, that, that's just exploding on the inside of me. Um, I wasn't going to even read this verse of scripture today, but I'm going to read it. And it's a passage that we read all the time when we partake of communion. 
And it's found in the 27th verse of 1 Corinthians 11. It says, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That's a terrifying verse of scripture for a lot of people. And, And actually, it's not a terrifying verse of scripture. But people have misunderstood it because they don't understand the church. Verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let a man examine himself, not 15 other people tell him what he needs to do. Let him examine himself. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. But why? Because we don't discern the Lord's body. And what is the Lord's body? Well, if I've I've made this statement once, I've made it a hundred times probably in the last few years, at least. The house of God in the Old Testament, in in 1 Timothy 3.15 says, The house is now the church. It's the pillar of truth. It's where the truth is taught. Ephesians 1 and 22 and 3 says that the church is his body. So the church in the, in, in, in the earth is the body of Jesus Christ being manifested in, in his power and dominion in the earth to people. In people and to people. We were created to make disciples, but if you're not a disciple, you can't make a disciple. Say this with me. Disciples make disciples. Right. So if you're discipled by the word, not by man's theories and ideas, but by the word, if you've been discipled by the word, then you can disciple other people. And we're here to make a difference that way as the body of Jesus Christ. But the reason that people don't walk in forgiveness, that they don't walk in Revelation and truth, the reason is that song said, I was repeating part of that last song about from your mother's womb, you were called, God had a purpose and a plan. The reason most people don't believe that is because they're focused on their mistakes. Why? Because they don't discern the Lord's body. Through the years, I've made, I've preached and made this statement time and time and time again. It's because we don't discern the Lord's body. But because this is found in communion, in, in a communion passage, people have, have come, I've had people come and make an appointment with me and say, I don't understand what you're saying about discerning the Lord's body. It doesn't make sense to me. Are you saying that I'm not discerning like the cracker and the juice and, and those kind of things? No, no. I mean, yes, in a sense, but actually, it's the lack of revelation about the fact that you are the Lord's body. The revelation that you and I are the body of Jesus Christ. We're not the body of Jesus Christ individually. We're the body of Jesus Christ as we collectively come together. All different parts but one body. And the fact that we don't discern that correctly, it says there are many that are weak and sick and and powerless among you. We're not walking in the power and the dominion that God created us to walk in. I'm just telling you today, there is something that is huge and that's deep for your life that is found 
in you getting revelation of the body of Jesus Christ. Understanding that Jesus is building his church. This building is not the church. No building in town where people gather together is the church. Now listen to me, because it's going to go right into my message today for the next two hours. No. <clears throat> this is a tabernacle. Okay? This is a tabernacle. In, in, in the Old Testament, in the wilderness, as the children of Israel came out of bondage, they built a tabernacle in the wilderness. And it was for one purpose. It was to house the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant had the presence of God in it. And in the Holy of Holies is where that Ark of the Covenant was. And, and that's where God, that's where God's residency was in the earth, was in that tabernacle. It was portable. They set it up. As they move from camp to camp, they'd tear it down, they'd go set it up again, they'd move the Ark of the Covenant, and I'm telling you, there were times when people moved the Ark of the Covenant and they didn't move it right and people died. But now, now, this place is a tabernacle. In Kerrville, Texas, I've read the numbers that there's over a hundred tabernacles in the surrounding area of Kerrville. A hundred tabernacles this is a tabernacle to house the presence of God where do do we keep him in the sound booth no it's in me it's in you right this is a tabernacle we come here You and I are sitting here today, and God has chosen to take up residency inside of you if you've you've received him. His presence is in you. You know how valuable that is? You know the extent that God went to to build the tabernacle and it be built just exactly right? I mean, it 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 was staggering what they did and how all the elements that were involved in in the building of the tabernacle had to be right because it it was about the presence of God. This building that was built here was about you. It was about people. And and this building has to be right and has to be excellent. Things have to be right regarding it because people out there are moved by what they see. And if things aren't excellent and right, then people are moved out there and they won't come in here. And so this place has to be right, and we know that. We've been here for five years, and there are things that God is continuing to do. And, and we're continuing, we're a work in progress in, the, in this place. But the one thing that we have that we believe in, I'm not saying other people don't. I mean, there's church. the church of Jesus Christ is, is increasing, like your Hillsong movie that I mentioned to you and encouraged you to go see. Go see that. I mean, God's doing amazing things all over the planet. Remember how many people a day are being saved? Over 6,000 people a day are being saved around the world. Amen? Last Sunday, we added three to that number. Huh? And, and, and all the time and every day, and you individually, you, we were created to drive through Starbucks or wherever 
and be a blessing to people because we want people to want what we have. Why? Because we house the presence of God. But sometime during the week, we got to come together and we got to meet together and we have to connect together to get what? What I'm sharing with you today. See, faith is rising in your heart just based on what I'm saying. See, I'm called to do this and I know it and you're sitting in here today because you believe I am or you wouldn't be sitting here. I mean, if you're part of the body here. And, and, and I'm called to do it and, and I'm called to minister the word. So we have to make sure that the environment here is about the word. It's not about me. It's not about other things and, and people and situations. It's, a, it's not just about programs. Programs are good if the word of God is first place. See, if the word of God is first, people are being made disciples by the word, then all the programs we do will just support the word. Can you say amen? It's not about a lot of the other things, and we've got to get some of that stuff out of our mind, and we've got to get revelation in our hearts of what the church is. We're the church. I'm the church. We're the church. This is the church. I'm the body, we're the body, we're the body of Jesus Christ to fulfill his purpose and plan in the earth. Because see, he's at the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ actually isn't even in us. We're born again by the Spirit, the third part of the triune being. We're born again of the Spirit. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. He's represented in us by the person of the Holy Spirit, but we're born of the Spirit of God. And that born-again experience is what empowers us to leave any kind of curses or stuff that the enemy's tried to tell us. You know, you were a mistake in your mother's womb. You should have never even been born. You're a worthless piece of trash. You're a poor excuse of a human. You call yourself a Christian, and you've done this, that, and the other. And see what our quick response and words off our mouth have to be is, but the blood of Jesus. I'm forgiven. I can do and I can receive. I can do all things and I can receive everything God has for me. Things like that have to be quick in your mouth. They got to be quick off your mouth, not talking the problem all day long, but acknowledging how great God is so that our minds can be renewed and we can be set free, as the song said, of all the fears that try to keep us in bondage, keep us down and keep us from receiving all that God has for us. Can you say amen? Just in the next few minutes, um, as we've been this month, as we do this once a year, as we have our, we, we renamed it this year, our provision for the house. Um, on October the 2nd will be our provision for the house offering. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, you have to, it's, it's another thing that, I used to, for, for years, we didn't have provision for the house offerings because as a pastor, I was more concerned about be, people being turned off regarding an offering than I was, as the scriptures say, more concerned about you profiting. The Bible talks more about money than it does about faith, about love, or about any other topic in Scripture. It talks about money. It's amazing. You don't realize it, but it's just 
all through the Bible. And uh, a number of years back, I had to get liberated and free from being concerned. See, because at Gates of the City, we're, we're, we're about you. We're not about trying to manipulate you or manipulate you for funds or money or in any of those kind of things. We've never been about that for 27 years, 27 plus years. We've never been about that, and we never will be. But what we learned a number of years back and that it became revelation to us is that God's not trying to take something from us in the financial world. He's trying to get something to us. He's not taking anything from us. He's trying to get things to us. So you have to believe in the church. You have to believe in the congregation of people that you're connected to. And then you have to understand what your part is. And most people don't understand their part. Well, we heard what the pastor said, and I, you know, I'm not sure about that and whatever. No, but you have to be sure. You should never do something, I've said this many, many times, you should never do something just because I said it. I never preach to you from the Reader's Digest. There's some great stories in the Reader's Digest, I'm telling you. I love the Reader's Digest. The only time I ever read them is if I'm sitting in a doctor's office, and I'm usually not, so, you know. I think I read one about 15 years ago. I loved it. <clears throat> anyway, but I don't preach from the Reader's Digest. But I sat in a, in a service one day in, in another city, and the guy was preaching from the Reader's Digest. He never preached the Scripture. He just preached these great stories from the Reader's Digest. And I left there, you know, I was, I was pretty happy, but I had no word. There were great stories, but there was no word. I'll never do that. Ever. We'll shut this place down if it ever comes to that where there's no word in what we share. Because when I share what I'm sharing with you today, you can take what I say. You can, go, you can download the messages online and li- listen to them over and over and over again. You can take what I say and you can go to the word yourself and you can allow the Holy Spirit to show you that what I'm saying is true or not. That's all that matters. And once you get it. Then, you, then, in other words, if you believe I'm, it's true, then you're going to believe. The Scripture says you have to believe in the people that bring you the Word. Why would you come here? Yeah, I'm going to listen to Pastor Bird. I don't believe a thing he says. Why would you come here? You, you, you don't need to do that. You need to come where you believe that the pe- what people are saying is true, right? Yeah. So when you're convinced of that then there's amazing blessing and empowerment that comes from God on your life if you believe the word that is preached and then you go and take it and you make sure it's right for you. Man, it's amazing. It's amazing what it does. But see, when people are young in the Lord, they need you and I to have revelation because they live off the revelation that we have for a season. And then as they grow up and they start finding it for themselves, then they see it from God, they'll hear it, but then they'll see it for, from God, and then it's their, it, it, it becomes their own. So today, the, the rest of this message, these few verses of Scripture that I'm going to talk about, you take them, you meditate on them, and you, you let those bear witness or not in your own heart so you can be convinced of what you're doing and will do on October the 2nd or the weeks after, you know, however long that, that, that goes on. But October the 2nd is our Heart for the House offering day. So, um, one, of the, one of the verses that 
we've looked at in the last two weeks as we've shared, as I said, we're sharing this whole month, is Psalm 92 and verse 13. Psalm 92 and 13. And it says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, and, and see, what I, what I always do in, just in my head, when something means something to me, when I see house, based on all the things I just told you and what you've heard me preach many times, every time I see house, I see church and body. Those who are planted in the house, the church, the body of Jesus Christ, of the Lord, shall flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14, they shall bear fruit in old age, they shall be fresh and flourishing. 15, to declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Isn't it amazing? Those who are planted in the house, they're going to flourish into old age, but they're going to flourish in the courts, and the courts represent everything else in life. Everything you do, everything you set your hand to, your business, your job, anything that you do. When you're planted in the house and you plant in the house and you plant into the house, you'll flourish. Now that's a promise of God. And in my life, my life is centered around the promises. Because I want to be on the receiving end. I can do all things and I can receive everything that God has for me. That's two things that I say over myself all the time. I can do all things, and I can receive everything that God has for me and has had planned for me before I was. That, that's, I want those things on my mind every time that circumstances try to say, that's a, that, there's no way, and you're a nut, and that's never going to happen. No, I can do all things because he said, and I can receive all that rightfully belongs to me because he said. And those who are planted in that revelation, they'll flourish in everything that they do. That's just a promise of God. There's five things, just real quick, that you need. That, that, there's five things that become a part of you when you're planted. Five things. Number one, your relationship with Jesus. When you're planted in the house, your relationship with Jesus, that will start and begin to flourish. And then you'll lead other people to Christ. That's a part of it. Oh my gosh, I've never let... No, no, no. No, it's not about what you haven't done. It's what you're going to do from here on out. Amen? And leading people to Christ is not... And I use Starbucks all the time because for some reason I just like it. Um, But it's not driving through the Starbucks. They give you your coffee. you You get the change. And then you ask them, do you know Jesus? That's not always the best thing. They're busy. They're not thinking about it. Uh, 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 you put them in a funny place, and then they hear your voice the next time, and they want someone else to take it. You've got to be real sensitive. It's not about that. It's just being a blessing, just loving people, telling them to have a great day. There may be, it may be the right time. Whenever it's the right time to pick the fruit, pick the fruit. But when it's the right time just to sow a seed, sow a seed. Can you say amen? That's, that is... The number one thing that happens when you're connected to the house. Number two, you attend services like this on a regular basis because you want to. Because you want to when you're connected. Number three, you're a tither and a seed sower, as we've talked about today. Because you want to. Not because you have to, because you want to. Not because you're forced to, because you want to. Number four, you serve on teams. 
because you want to. Around here, we're not quick to get people on teams, and we do that on purpose because we want people to be on team because they want to, not just because they want their thing to flourish. You know, it's not about your thing or what you're called to do to flourish. It's about that you bring your thing under the covering of the body and so that that thing can flourish. And, and a lot of times, people that come into the body new or for the first time, there are things in their life that have never been tapped. And God wants them tapped and he wants the church to tap them. But here, around this place, we're first and foremost about character before we are giftings. And as character is developed, it'll make room for the gift. Number five, connect groups as we have. They're vital. Just connections. Our connect groups are about relationships. I mean, we do some book clubs and those kind of things, but most of them are just about relationship, about people connecting with each other, getting to know each other, because most people, most church life, people wave at each other on Sunday, they shake their hand, have two-minute conversation, and that's all, and you don't get to know people that way. Connect groups are vital to getting to know and connecting with one of Those five things are what will develop in your life over time as you get planted in the house. Amen? It's vital. Um, so two things, uh, two things I want to say in three passages of scripture as I, as I end this today in talking about your part in the house, what, what your part is, I mean, there's, everybody has a different part, but the part that we play as members of gates of the city but as individuals who are part of the body of Jesus Christ, okay? So in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. So we're going to let what the Apostle Paul said talk to us. Um, oh, that's 1 Corinthians. To us, the church in Kerrville you know, a congregation of people. See, see, the church at Corinth was not one building and group of people. It was a number of congregations of people, but this was the beginning of the church. So the church in Kerrville is all the congregations of people that meet together in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the church in Kerrville. So today, I'm speaking to you as the church in Kerrville at Gates of the City. And, and this is the Apostle Paul. And I'm going to read the first five verses. I want to read these out of the... Can you give that to me in the NIV? NIV. AMP, DB, DBC, OBC, ADD. <clears throat> and now this is NIV. I think I forgot to give that to you today, but I'm going to wait until she gets it up, or maybe I won't. <clears throat> I had to had to get it in the NIV. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up. <clears throat> the NIV. Anybody have the NIV translation? Just, oh, here it is. Got it. Thank you. That's my fault. That's not their fault. <clears throat> Okay, verse 1. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints. For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians. This is Paul telling the church at, at, at Corinth. 
telling them that since last year you and Acadia were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers. Everybody say, I'm a brother. I'm a brother. I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in, in advance and finish the arrangement, arrangements for the generous gift that you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Paul was commending the church and talking about how that, in other words, he, he, he had told the Macedonians about their willingness and their eagerness to give. And he wanted to make sure that that was true, and he just didn't hear that, but that it was a true statement. Because what he's saying in the fifth verse is, when, when people purpose to give, when they give out of their heart, and they do it because they see the purpose in it, it produces an advantage to them. Because in the next verse, in verse 6, it says, remember this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap that way. Verse 7, each man should give what he has decided in his own heart. Each man, each person should give what he's decided in his own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Compulsion means to be, to, to be um, put on a guilt trip, to be forced to do something, to be told that or, or made to feel like that if you don't give, there's a disappointment involved in it. But see, Paul's saying what God's saying is, I want you to be givers because you want to be. I want you to be givers because you realize the benefit. Because when you give to receive, to, to give, then people will be blessed and people will be helped and things will, be, will manifest on behalf of not just your life but other people because you did it on purpose. Now you're living in the economy of God Okay, now you're living in the economy of God and not relying on the economy of the world. We live in the economy of the world, but we don't want to rely on the economy of the world because the economy of the world does this. It goes up and down and up and down and in and out and and in every direction. But the economy of God is like this when you learn to tap it. And these are ways that we tap it. He said in verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I don't know about you, but I like what that says. I, I like when it says, I will abound always in all things. And how, how? When I give, not holding back, but I give because I am compelled to in my heart, not because I'm forced. Can you say amen? Philippians 4 and verse 
um, 15. Here's Paul talking to the church at Philippi. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift itself. Not that I seek the gift. But I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That's the Apostle Paul. So he was never coercing people, but he was giving them the revelation of the economy of God. He was giving them the revelation of how vitally important it is to tap into that in areas of the financial world. Because 2 Corinthians 9 that we just read is all about finance. It's all about sowing seeds. And if someone came to you and had information about how you could start a business, and they said you would prosper, but I'm not going to tell you how to do it, I mean, you, th- that could be a place of offense, right? Yeah, you, here's this business. I've made tons of money, but I'm not going to share with you how to do it. Or someone comes along and says, you know what? There's this miracle drug, uh, and, and you can take this, and it'll liberate your body of all cancer in your body, but I'm not going to give it to you, and I'm not going to tell you how to get it. Oh, my gosh. It's out there, but I can't get it. In the Bible... The, the book that talks more about money than it talks about anything else. It's got the answers for all this, and that's what I'm sharing with you right now. See, I, I'd, be, I'd be wrong not to share with you and say to you the same thing that the Apostle Paul said. I'm not looking for the gift. I'm looking for the profit that increases to your account. So I'm giving you opportunity to sow. Our heart, our, I keep calling heart for the house. Our provision for the house offering that we take, we're receiving on October 2nd that provision of the house offering is, is a way for profit to increase to your account if you believe in it. See, it's about, it's about increasing the things that are here. When you drove through the front of our property and uh, you looked and saw a big old mound with grass growing on it and you saw some old stakes that David Huffaker helped us you know, keep from falling down years ago and, and it had a rope tied to it, you know, that's not a real professional-looking fence in front of the entrance. I thank God for, for people like Lee Dunning that helps to keep the grass mowed and the things around the property done a certain way, you know, and we're thankful for that. But the front of our property needs to look good because people out there, their first impression is, you know, I don't know that I want to attend Gates of the City. Because, but Gates of the City, we got something that they need. You, you understand? So part of your part, if you choose... So, you know, if you choose to embrace it and to receive it, is to sow in to helping to beautify the front of the property. That's our project for our heart for the house this year, is to put a new sign, new fence, an entrance and exit in the front of the property, which is going to cost us about $25,000. And you're going to have an opportunity to sow into that if you want that. Like I said, we do this once a year, and we do it to give you opportunity to be blessed, to have profit increasing to your account as you believe in it. Can you say amen? So, I want to end with this, and, and next week we'll talk about it and touch on it again. 
as we're leading to our last couple of Sundays before our Heart for the House Sunday. And it's found in Exodus 35. Exodus 35. And I'm going to just read these few verses of Scripture. In Exodus 35, this is the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness. And this is what... So Moses brings the word of the Lord. He brings the word of God. And he brings it to the people and gives the people what their part and their purpose is. What is their part? Everybody say, my part. Okay. So what I'm sharing with you is what your part is in this. And Moses spoke in verse 4 to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is, what? Of a willing heart. Let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, whatever. In those days, gold, silver, and bronze. Today, Federal Reserve notes, gold bars, or whatever you want it to be. Right? Let them bring it. Take from among you an offering, um, uh, an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart, and let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, whatever. Um, verse 20, turn over to there. Then everyone, th- then all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing. Everyone, they departed from what Moses said. So like today, I am the under-shepherd of this body, bringing the word of the Lord like Moses brought there. I'm not comparing myself to Moses. Don't don't think I'm saying something that I'm not saying. I'm saying I'm bringing the word of the Lord because I'm the under-shepherd and the minister in the fivefold ministry to bring the word of the Lord here. So after you hear the word of the Lord, this is you. Everyone, it said, in the congregation of, of the children of Kerrville, Texas, departed from the presence of the word that Pastor Bert shared. Sound good? Is that what the scripture said? Oh, no, it said Moses. <clears throat> Verse 21. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. See, not everybody came, but everyone whose heart was stirred and who was willing. Not everybody brought their offerings, but those who in their heart they believed in it and they were stirred up and they walked out what God told them to walk out. You understand? So if God's speaking to you over the next few weeks and and you get something in your heart about a certain amount or something that you want to do in sowing into making the house better, the the, the tabernacle here better, then as you obey that, what will happen? Those blessings that we just have talked about will come on you and overtake you. How many believe that today? Amen. I believe it. Verse, or chapter 36 and and verse 2. Then Moses called, whoever those two guys are, and every gifted artesian in whose heart... The Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come to the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary, 
So they continued bringing to him free will offerings, free will, heart stirred offerings, uh, people that were convinced. They continued to bring offerings to, for the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. And, and all the craftsmen did certain things and on and on. And so verse 7 says, And they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it, and caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing For the material that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, it was too much. When, When we get what I'm talking about today in our heart, and I believe that the church around the world is getting the revelation that I'm sharing with you today, When the body of Christ gets this revelation and we get a hold of it, nothing will stop the advancement of the church. One of the things in the days past that stopped the church was money. But I I say it's not anymore because people are getting the understanding of the benefit in their own lives. There's a passage in, in, um, in Haggai in the Old Testament. And Haggai brought this accusation against the people of God because it said you're taking care of your own houses but you're not making sure that the house of God is taken care of. See, because the Bible says God's eyes are on his house and his heart are in it. God's eyes are on his church and his heart is in what his church is doing because he's building his church. We just want to be a part of what God's building. What I'm sharing with you today is God's way to build not just buildings, but to build people. What I'm sharing with you today, all of it is to, has to be taken in together. The church world, in, in what we're talking about here, is a business, so it takes funds. So we, from the pulpit here, we deliver the vision, and from that side, the people produce the provision. That's the way it works. They work together. We put the vision out there. You decide with provision whether you want to be a part of the house. And those who are planted in the house shall flourish. Those who are planted in the house and are planting in the house will flourish in everything that they do. I really hope that you hear my heart in this message and what I'm sharing with you today. That you hear that this word is about you. And it's about the benefit in your life more than it is the benefit for this local congregation. It's a benefit. But we, Paul said, I don't seek the gift. And I can say that today after all the years of pastoring. It's not about the gift as much as it is about you profiting and you prospering. And that's the way we pray for all of you all the time. That's what we speak and declare over you all the time is that you're profiting and that you're understanding what your part is. And I, I, you know, I really, that's my prayer that you understand it and that you're on the receiving end of that today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, 